Darvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Mondays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. Now, here's your host, Jay Garvins. This segment is brought to you by Empire Title, Bill McAfee, your best of the best Colorado Springs gold winner. Jay Garvin's here, host of the Jay Garvin Show and podcast, brought to you for 400 shows, 400 podcasts, all available for you on iTunes. Uh, You can also go to KRDO.com and get abbreviated podcasts, and you can go to jgarvins.com and get all of the downloads, or you can get a hold of me directly by text or by phone call at 719-330-1457. I can get you a copy of this podcast, and this is the second in a series that I'm doing on demographics. I'm going to be bringing you demographics in real estate, and I've done an entire show and podcast, the predecessor and really the foundation on demographics in America. And basically what this is, for those of you that don't understand the concept of the term demographics, it's basically generational consumption, supply and demand economies, and how people, which is the most important formula in economies, the most important formula in consumption, and obviously is what brings together the actual definition of demographics. See, I call it the generational breakdown. And I'm not going to go all the way through the demographics in America topic. That would be counterproductive. But I am going to do a four- to six-minute review of it so we start with a good premise. And then after I do that, I'm going to talk about, okay, with demographics and real estate, why real estate? Number two, aside from demographics itself, is real estate a sound investment? And how does demographics Affected. Then I'm going to talk about how demographics affect generationally, seasonally, and even through geography in the United States. And then you can predict the tendencies of the decisions you have to make, and then what's next for you. So the history of demographics in America basically came from multiple authors, but none stood as close to the actual predictive truth as Harry S. Dent. I mean, he wrote a book. The first one I read was The Roaring 2000s. That was, like, released in 1999 when I was part of Worldwide Group in the early 2000s. I read that. And then later, like in 2008, he talked about the next great bubble boom. And then it came the Great Depression ahead. And then we talked about the uh, demographic cliff. And then, of course, the Great Crash ahead. And all of these books released from 99 to 2004, 2008, 2011, then 2014, and now he's got another one out, all talked about very accurate, predictive events in the economy. And he went ahead and worked backwards and explained how that created a movement in the economy based off supply and demand, generational tendencies, and corrective prediction, what they were going to do. One thing I will tell you is in demographics, I specifically talk about six generations. I talk about the great generation that was born from 1900 to 1925. I talk about the silent generation that was born from 1925 to 1945. And then I talk about the um, Gen Xers, which is me, and we're born from 
1965 to 1980. And then I talk about the millennials that are born basically from 1980 to 2000. And then the youngest generation that's still growing is Gen Y. And with their population and its predictions, we can look at the economy as far as 40 years out. Now, the only leap of faith you need to take in any of my podcasts or this particular show is that every single person in America becomes the most productive from their age of 40 to 60. That I'm able to predict this, and I've successfully predicted it for over eight years when as early as 2012, here's the bottom line. When I launched this podcast and show, I implored people to buy as much real estate as they could because by 2020, it was going to be worth a lot of money. And that's all documented. You can go back and listen to the podcast. And probably really bad compared to today. But the message was the same. The truth was the same. And here's what the premise is. If we predict what a 40-year-old to 60-year-old does most accurately in the United States, in our economy, in our country, in this current time, and just do it before those 40- and 60-year-olds do it, you can make money or save money. And here's an example. An example is this. If you would have predicted that coonskin hats were going to be unbelievably popular on the Davy Crockett show when the soldiers came back from the war and they all had babies creating the baby boom and every little four- to seven-year-old wanted a coonskin hat, you could have made a 2,000% ROI if you would have bought raccoon hides. Another one as well, if you would have went ahead and predicted that Lee Iacocca was going to invent a car exactly when the baby boomers turned 18 in 1964 and a half, you'd have been able to buy 15 Mustangs and made a million dollars just with that because a Cobra, a Mustang, or anything actually that the baby boomers have collected during that time of their most memorable years is worth 100, 200 fold what it was. I mean, you used to buy a Ford Mustang off the line for $2,000 and now you can't even buy a showroom quality one off the shelf for less than 50000 and some of them on these shows go up for 100 and that's the low end cars. But then the other prediction is, man, what happens in 2012 if you actually started buying houses when I told you? I did that all through prediction and the prediction is this. In an analogy, if there's 10 people that are out looking for cars and you walk into a dealership and there's 20 cars available, everybody's going to get a car, everybody's going to get a good price, and the dealer's going to be kind of sad. But in the opposite sense, if you have 40 people walk into a dealership and there's only 20 cars available, only half of those people are going to get a car, the other half are going to be very upset, and the dealership is going to be ecstatic because they're going to get top dollar. That's supply and demand. And with generational consumption, the great generation, the silent generation, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, it's big generation, small generation, big generation, small generation, big generation. Predict what they're going to consume, and then you do it. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to talk about predicting when to buy real estate and when not to buy real estate based on supply and demand and the ebb and flow of a big generation and small generation. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, what about real estate investment itself, aside from demographics? Is that even a profitable and worthwhile investment? 
And then after this, I'm going to say, what is next for you? What can you do to benefit this? All on the Jay Garvin Show, right here. And again, you can call me at 719-330-1457 to lay out a personal real estate plan for retirement for yourself. I call it the three little houses. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to continue with demographics in real estate coming up next. Check it out. Going to work on Monday. Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Mondays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. We're back with your home mortgage Jedi, Jay Garvin. This segment is brought to you by Arrow Moving and Storage. For sticking with me, I am Jay Garvin's, and you're tuned in to the Jay Garvin Show and Podcast Home and Mortgage Talk. And today I'm going into the second segment here on demographics in real estate. And specifically over the next three segments, I want to talk about why real estate. I mean, aside from all this demographic stuff, is real estate a sound investment? Then I'm going to talk about how demographics simply amplifies the issue of real estate, either in a positive fashion or a negative fashion depending on who is purchasing and why are they purchasing. Then I'm going to drill down even deeper and say, how does demographics affect generational home buying? How is it affected even seasonally within demographics and the times of the year and even geographically in parts of the country? And this even gets into parts of your cities where I do another podcast on all zip codes and neighborhoods are not created equal. And then finally, what is the next step for you? So, Jumping right into this, right here's a quote from CNBC, GeekWire, Fortune Magazine, millionaires. You might want to listen to millionaires, right? They've made some good financial decisions. That's another podcast that I did. No, they don't inherit it. Read Chris Hogan's book, Everyday Millionaire, Dave Ramsey. I am part of Churchill Mortgage, which is an exclusive partner with Dave Ramsey for over 27 years. And during this time, I would love to help you with your next purchase or refinance transaction. Specifically in this show, I want to walk you through your next purchase transaction. And you can call me at 330-1457 or text me or even go to churchillcolorado.com to get that done. But millionaires say real estate is still the single best investment today, especially for the middle class. It's your only shot. The only way to build a good retirement and investment beyond real estate is either in your investments like middle class, like a 401k and putting money aside and then taking it out in retirement in tax deferred measures. And number two is building and proliferating a business. Well, how many of you have in you what Jeff Bezos has in with him with Amazon? You're going to start an Amazon, start a Microsoft like Bill Gates. Maybe a Facebook like Zuckerberg. Maybe a new car company like Elon Musk or a new IT company like Larry Ellison. Or how, how about, forget Amazon, what about the Walton family? There's only one Bezo in the top 10 wealthiest people in the world, the top 20 wealthiest people, but there's three Waltons. How about Larry Page and Sergi who started Google? How about Balmer who's running Microsoft? now that Bill Gates is retired. And then, of course, you've got the ever-popular, now recently out of some uh, Democratic primaries, 
Mr. Bloomberg, Tiny Mike, all of these individuals, the top 10 people in the world, built their wealth by building businesses. But you and I don't have access to that. Why? Because, first of all, that takes vision. And just plainly, a lot of us in the middle class don't have vision. More of us don't have financial patience for 25 years for some of these things to work, like Bill Gates and the Warren Buffetts of the world. But most of all, we don't have capital. So what does that leave us with? A 401k or real estate. And I'm going to tell you real estate all the time. You know why? Very, very simple analogy here in this demographics and real estate visualization for you. If it's simple, if you take $100,000 and put it into your 401k or the stock market and it appreciates 10%, that's if it even appreciates 10%, forget the commission you're going to have to give the person to buy it. Forget the taxes you're going to have to pay when you sell it, but just say you make 10%. That turns your 100000 into $110,000. Simple math. Well, in a house, if you take $100,000 and buy a $300,000 house and it appreciates 10%, your $300,000 house goes to 330000 and your initial investment, your ROI, goes from 100000 to 130000 That's a 30% ROI. And get this. The renter pays the rest. It's like Dave Ramsey and I will tell you, if you have a 401k and you have an employer who's matching 3%, absolutely put in 3%. Help your employer double your money and then let the market work beyond that. But anything beyond that, put your money in savings, call me, and we'll help you buy a house, especially in a time like this. See, it multiplies with the compounding effect because then you got your principal reduction as well. That triples it even further just by the principal reduction. And now if you have the courage to do a 15-year mortgage like I have with all five of my rental properties, it triples it again. That's how I've turned $150,000 into a million dollars of real estate. And in less than 15 years, by the time my wife is 60, she will have three houses, we're 350000 apiece at least, and I've been under-predicting this market, with $2,000 in rent every single month. That's $6,000 of gross income, not net income, gross income, $72,000 a year for shoe shopping. Not going to a job, not waiting to see a stock, because unless you're buying a common stock with a dividend, oh, by the way, like Amazon doesn't have and all these new companies, you got to go to a blue chip, like something like Procter & Gamble or Johnson Controls. That's why real estate is your best bet. Everybody agrees. And the third thing here about real estate, aside from demographics, it can never go to a zero bumpkiss value like a stock can that goes bust. You know what happens if you bought MCI WorldCom? That went to zero for my wife. $56,000 to zero. I've never seen a house ever go from $250,000 to zero. Even if you go into foreclosure, you might lose your 10000 but not more. It's not going to be your livelihood. And here's the reality. Houses continue to rise two to five times inflation. The average demand every year is that like 1.25 million houses have to be sold by sellers or built by builders in order to just keep up with the demand. Between 1968 and 2008, for 40 years, there was only one year that there wasn't enough houses being sold or built. And now since 2009 to 2019, we've already had six years, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 18, and 19, that not enough homes are being built. So in itself, without demographics, your best bet is to invest in real estate. But let's look into demographics. Let's look further. How in the world did I know 
to tell you in 2012 to buy real estate with such confidence. The Great Recession comes down to one phrase, and the great boom that's coming ahead of us is a simple phrase as well. And Warren Buffett will tell you it's simple. Be greedy when others are fearful, and be fearful when others are greedy. Everybody was greedy in 2006. Do you know what I was saying? Honey, the market's about to crash for mortgage. Therefore, it's going to mean that no one in the United States can buy real estate, just like they couldn't in the 80s in the hyperinflation times of Ronald Reagan. You know, there's only been three time periods in the history of the United States that real estate really went through a bust. It went through a huge bust in the early 1930s in the Great Depression. It went through another bust in the early 80s when hyperinflation out of Jimmy Carter in the early Ronald Reagan years when interest rates were 14 to 18%. And then it happened in the Great Recession there between about 2008 and 2011. But here's the whole Great Recession in one sentence. It doesn't matter what the baby boomers were selling. There weren't enough of Gen Xers like me to buy it, period. Now, that's a solid piece of advice from 2006 to 2016. It doesn't matter what the boomers are selling. There's just not enough Gen Xers that are age 40 to 60 to buy them. See, because there's 78 million baby boomers created the biggest boom. Remember the Mustang with Lee Iacocca? That was invented the first day a baby boomer turned at 18 years old. That's something very easy to predict. But I'm telling you, from 2006 to 2016, it didn't matter what the boomers were selling. There wasn't enough of us to buy it. And that means stocks. That means 401Ks. That means houses. That means cars. That even means airline tickets. See, I sold all my houses saying, my God, we're going to run out of money. And now over this next boom, simply figure out what millennials are going to buy, snatch it up, and double your money. It's that simple. See, because this is how demographics works. And I'm going to give an introduction and then go into the next segment. Demographics happens generationally. See, boomers went from two-story homes down to ranchers. Millennials went from apartments to now they're moving into tall skinnies and just crushing the real estate market. That's why rentals went out of control overnight. 2014, you couldn't get a renter and you had to give a reasonable rent. And now by 2020, my rents have went up by 40% because of supply and demand. Now that the boomers are downsizing, the millennials are upsizing, etc., just go ahead and predict. Predict what's going to happen next. And if you look at these cycles, you look at consumers, and how does demographics simply amplify this real estate trend to good or bad? I mean, it was a really good time to buy a house from 1946 to 1966 because the greatest generation was just gobbling them up. And how many houses do we know out there that are 1950s that are just beautiful? All of my rental properties are built between 1952 and 54 because it was a boom and they were built well, and there's a lot of them. And there's all sturdy houses, all ranchers, no basement on a crawl space, three-bedroom, two-bath, one-car garage on a postage stamp lot, the best house on the street. That's my entire investment portfolio. And I have a specific type of renter as well, but that's another podcast. It was not a time to sell a house from 1966 to 86 because the silent generation was there and there simply wasn't enough. Now, from 1986 to 2006, boy, you saw the price of the house go up again because the boomers were gobbling them up like Pac-Man. And then, of course, I told you from 2006 to 2016, it was a total bust. 
because Gen Xers were buying. Well, now, since 2016 and is not going to gain momentum until 2021, there's going to be a 20-year run on buying houses. So stay tuned as I talk about how demographics have been amplified throughout the real estate market right after the break. Continuing on with demographics in real estate right here on the Jay Garvin Show. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. They've moved into a place they both could afford. He found a nightclub he could work at the door. The Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk. Saturdays at 8 a.m., Mondays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. We're back. Now, here's Jay Garvin's. Hey, where's the meat? Jay Garvin's here, host of the Jay Garvin Show and podcast, sharing with you today. My approach, my perspective on demographics in real estate. Explained earlier why real estate was a sound investment itself for the middle class. I honestly believe it's the last and the largest investment you'll ever make in your life. And obviously, it's much more intelligent to buy real estate than an iPad. It's much more intelligent to buy a house than it is a brand new car. That car depreciates as soon as you pull it off the lot in this time frame. Your house increases in value from the time you start the contract to sign. Why is that? Getting down to the nitty-gritty, it's because there's 87 million millennials coming to the market. And I just figured that out and shared that with you with my crystal ball in 2012. And we're not even going to get hot, hot real estate till 2021. Why do I say that? Because demographics in real estate. The largest generation in the history of the United States is the millennials at 87 million members before you account for all these legal and undocumented immigrants. I think it's going to be a consumption class up to 100 million people. Folks, do you know my generation, the Gen Xers, born from 1965 to 1980, there's only 45 million of us. So it doesn't matter what the baby boomers were trying to sell, specifically real estate in this example, in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way through 2015, there wasn't enough of me, the Gen Xers, for them to make any money at all. In fact, they lost a lot. And some of you may be those individuals. Well, don't let it happen again. It's exactly like if you've got 20 cars on a automobile lot and 10 people walk on and they want the cars, the couples all get them, they get a great price, and the dealerships all poo-poo and sad face. Now, if 40 people, like today it is in renting a house or buying a house, walk onto the lot and there's 20 cars, the dealership, the builders, the sellers are going to be super, super happy, but half of the couples, 20 couples aren't even going to get a car, and they're going to be at prime dollar. They're going to pay full retail, and that's what you're seeing in real estate. And the example, my friends, is this. You have 87 million millennials, but their parents, let's go back to the baby boomers for real estate. There were 78 million baby boomers that were born immediately after the war. So their parents, the greatest generation that was 60 million strong, bought up more houses from 1946 to 1966. And the leading generational year within the baby boomers was 1954. And let me tell you right now, when the uh, greatest generation and the baby boomers were moving on and finally the baby boomers were married, they were having children, 
that 1986 to 2006 was a 20-year window of just explosive value in real estate. Look it up. But now you've got the millennials that's born from 1981 to 2000. The largest generation in that class is 1991 with over 4.7 million babies born. If you simply look at the analytics and add 32 years, which now is the median first-time homebuyer age, it's telling you folks that this thing ain't even going to get hot. One of the hottest new first buying years for homeowners is going to be 2023 because you take 1991 plus 32 and that's 2021. It's simple math. Could have done the same thing with the baby boomers. The largest birth year was 1954 with like 5.2 million people. Just go forward back then to what the median age was and you can go right to the year. So all you want to do is predict what the millennials are buying, especially if you're one of them. If you're born or one of your adult children is born or your friends or neighbors or relatives are born between 1980 and 2000, you better get your first house before 2023 because that's the year that the wave is really going to start. And it's so important that you understand that. I'm going to say this once again. You have the greatest generation, which is 60 million. You have the silent generation that was 61 million, still larger, but just a little bit, followed by an enormous generation of 78 million baby boomers. Over 18 million extra consumers came to market between 1986 and 2006, and that's why we had that unbelievable, unbroken stretch of real estate and growth between that time period. Same thing through the baby boomers when they first bought, but I'm also telling you that between 2006 and 2016 was a horrific time because my generation, Gen Xers, there's only 45 million consumers, and it doesn't matter what price the baby boomers were selling their house for, there wasn't enough of us to buy it. I joked with people back in 2012 and said each Gen Xer is going to need to buy three houses to keep the economy going. Now, that silence was for a reason. Think of that. I said every Gen Xer is going to have to buy a house, not one, not two, but at least three to keep the economy going. Well, my whole generation didn't buy three houses. Now, my wife and I did. We bought five. But houses and prices still went down because it's the law of supply and demand. In fact, a fun side fact is Gen X is the 10th generation in the United States, and we're the first one to actually be smaller than its predecessor, and you can do the math on that. That's because during the onset of our generation was when contraception and Wade versus Roe was introduced. But the good news is, is now the millennials have 87 million consumers, and you know why houses are increasing so fast in value? Because there's not 18 million extra consumers coming to the market like the baby boomers in the 80s. There's 40 million extra consumers coming to market before you account for legal and undocumented immigrants. And I'm telling you, because of this, nationwide, I predicted maybe we'd have a 50% increase in the value or the ROI of houses between 2012 and 2022, you know, that 10-year span, actually 2021 if you're looking at 10 years. Oh, man, I undershot it. In local markets, some of the hottest markets, like San Francisco, Seattle, Colorado Springs, Denver, Boise, Idaho, Salt Lake City, Boston, Austin, Charleston, San Jose, Las Vegas, Nashville, Phoenix, all of these, we're already at beyond a 78% increase. And my new prediction, 
especially in hot markets like Boise, like Colorado Springs, like Charleston, you're going to see a hundred percent appreciation in houses in ten years. And you heard it here first. And there's still plenty of time, years left to get part of this. Oh, Jay, are we going to see a correction in real estate? Yeah, we are. It's going to go up even faster. In some communities, it's went from seventy dollars a square foot all the way up to two hundred dollars a square foot, and it's going to go all the way up to four hundred dollars a square foot in some areas. Read the articles yourself. Everybody's predicting fifty percent of gross income by 2025 is going to be spent on housing expense. And that gets some people frustrated. My wife the same, says that's depressing. Well, just buy a house. I've already bought my kids' houses because I don't know the value. I know it's going to be high. And even if my children are doctors and dancers or whatever, are they going to be able to afford it? Plan and move forward. Now, other things I'm going to talk about is how does demographics affect not only generationally, like I shared with you, how does it affect seasonally? And how, my God, can you predict that? And how does it actually affect geographically? So this gets even more interesting because demographics can tell you exactly where and when to buy seasonally. It's this simple. You have your hot and cold seasons. If you're in Colorado and the summer is the hottest buying season, spring and summer, you actually want to buy in the cold in the fall and the winter. But wait, that's confusing because the hot season in Florida is in the winter. All the snowbirds are coming down from New York, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, all of that, and they're all down there visiting in the warm Florida while it's freezing up in New York and that nor'easter side. So you don't want to buy then. You want to buy in the summer when it's blazing hot and they've all went to roost up north again. See, just knowing, and, and here's even better, what are some of the hotter states? I mean, Florida is an amazing state to invest in because that's where statistically the most snowbirds and people are retiring. We know the baby boomers are retiring and hordes just go buy the real estate and do it. The same way here. Let's look at Colorado. Why is Colorado? Why is Seattle? Why is California so hot? Why is now Utah and Idaho and parts of Texas around Austin and Boston so popular, where do you think the number one places for millennials to move for new careers are? Oh, that's a shocker. San Jose is right up there. Seattle's up there. Denver was the hottest for a while. Colorado Springs, Colorado, in the last 12 months has been the hottest place for millennials to move and new job opportunities and quality of life. That's another one. Quality of life is exceptionally important to millennials. So they ain't moving to Fort Polk, Louisiana. They ain't moving to Hammond, Indiana. And they ain't moving to La Crosse, Wisconsin. But they are moving to Charleston. They are moving to Nashville. They are moving to Massachusetts and Boston and Hordes. They are moving to Seattle. That's where the jobs are. They were moving to Denver, but they slowed down because why? These things taper out when you have high cost of living. See, Colorado Springs, you might say that a $340,000 median price houses a lot, well, not compared to the $480,000 median price in Denver, or the $610,000 median price in Boulder. That's nothing compared to San Francisco. In that Bay Area, $1.2 million. Two-bedroom, two-bath, townhome or condo is your median. So disproportionately, the millennials are going from the number one level cities, the, the New York, San Francisco's, the Boston's. Now they've looked into Colorado Springs, into Boise, Idaho, into Salt Lake City, into Charleston. These are the hottest areas now. And after the break, 
I'm going to tell you, hey, how can we know this not only seasonally, not only demographically, not only through geography, but how can you put together your plan to pull all of this together to use demographics in real estate to specifically benefit you? I started with zero in 2012, didn't own any houses, but I didn't have any debt. And by 2017, I had well over $2.5 million worth of houses, and now it's blowing my mind, and it can blow yours. God is no respecter of any one individual. I'm a pretty average kid from Wisconsin who doesn't even speak grammatically correct. I talk too much, and I talk too loud, and you're much smarter than I am. But you know what? Jesus told me this morning he loves me, and I'm blessed. You know a secret? I'm his favorite. You know another secret? You are too. You're his favorite, so you can do it. So call me at 719-330-1457 so you can sit down and talk about this and at least do your next purchase or refinance transaction. Stick around as I sum all of this up in the power segment right here on the Jay Garvin Show and Podcast. In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Another summer day has come and gone away in Paris and Rome, but I want to go home. The Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Mondays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. We're back with your home mortgage best friend, Jay Garvin's. We want to pop you out. Let me go home. Sticking around for my final segment of my power podcast and radio show, talking about demographics in real estate. I'm going to sum this up one more time. I have a passion for this. My name is Jay Garvins, and you want to call me at 719-330-1457. When I talk about demographics in America, or specifically today, demographics in real estate, I'm simply the guide. I'm no crystal ball, Notre Dame predicting individual. I've just simply applied some principles, and you can apply them as well. You're the hero. I'm the guide. Very simple measures. Why real estate? Aside from demographics, why real estate? Because real estate is the most sound investment that you can make. As a matter of fact, for us in the middle class, it's the largest single investment we'll ever make. And sadly, I'm afraid the next generation won't do it. And with the millennials, if they don't get real estate, they've got so much student debt. They've got so much toy debt with the iPhones, the iPads, all of the need a fancy car, driving in a fancy area, and getting your avocado toast and constantly eating out. I mean, if you're listening as a millennial, your tendencies to spend five times your parents of baby boomers is going to be a dead-end road. So let me be the one voice out there that says don't buy depreciating assets, especially don't buy them new. Yeah, you have to buy a phone, but keep that phone for seven years, five years. You don't have to get a new one every year. You don't have to do the upgrade. You don't have to finance it. You can buy appreciating assets, and there's basically three appreciating assets, investments, a house, or a business. Now, it's not realistic, I shared, for us to start businesses like Elon Musk. Not going to go start Tesla, nor are you. We might start small companies, but then you just buy yourself a job. You don't have IPOs with initial public offerings that you can make billions like the top 20 people in the world I spoke of, but you can buy a slice of real estate. 
But that in itself being a sound investment, how did I know to sell all my real estate in 2008 and 2009 and sit on my hands and then start to buy it and gobble it back in 2012? Did I just get blindly lucky? No. I've explained to you that that's demographics. It doesn't matter who is trying to buy a house in 2008, but more importantly, it matters a lot who is trying to sell it in 2010 because it didn't matter what the baby boomers were selling in 2010. There wasn't enough of Gen Xers like me to buy it, and that's because there's 78 million baby boomers born from 1946 to 1964, and it's a fact. You could have seen it or read it back then, tuned into my show, there's only 45 million millennials born from 1965 to 1981. So I sold all my real estate in 2008. People laughed at me. By 2012, crickets in the room, no one was saying anything. Here I was, a mortgage broker, owned my own company, and I didn't own any houses. Because of Dodd-Frank in 2011, I couldn't even buy a house, and I owned a mortgage company. Why? Well, they done and changed the rules on us. But when I started buying in 2012, it was tough. My wife and I overturned every single rock, but I bought a house in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, and two of them in 2017. And that's how we got our first seven houses, and you can do the same. Well, Jay, what about the bubble? Don't worry about the bubble. There's only been three times ever in the history of the United States time periods that house prices have depreciated. The stock markets went up and down and all around like a yo-yo. And the only three time periods were the Great Recession in the 30s, when money ran out and the economy collapsed. The second period wasn't all the way until the late 70s and early 80s, when there was the embargoes of Jimmy Carter and the inflation of Ronald Reagan, and you couldn't afford it. Mortgages were 14 to 18%. But then, lo and behold, in the 80s, they started to explode, and it wasn't until the Great Recession from, like, 2009 to, like, 2011 where the house prices dove. So the window of risk is far smaller than the window of opportunity. But I want to tell you the biggest takeaways I want you to take is that real estate is a sound investment regardless of when you're doing it. Just be cognizant of the timing And you can call me personally at 719-330-1457 to walk you through it. Now, if you want to do a mortgage competitively priced with perfect client experience with Churchill Mortgage, which I'm a licensed lender, and Churchill Mortgage and the entire team under Mike Hartwick and Matt Clark and Lawson Hartwick have exclusively worked and been referred from Dave Ramsey for 29 years because we have integrity, you can get that counseling for free. And if you want to go down to N Federal Credit Union, I don't care. It's a great company. You're just going to pay me $200 an hour in 30-minute billable increments, and I lost half of you right there because you're broke. Well, I'm not going to spend $300. I'm going to use TurboTax. I'll bet you are. You have to invest in your future. And I say that jokingly but with a thread of truth within it because you have to invest in your future because no one else will. And then also understanding the generational cycles of supply and demand and where generations live geographically and what generations are doing seasonally. Hey, newsflash, buy a house in Colorado in the winter if you don't have to instead of the summer because house prices are going to be lower in the winter than they are the summer. Hey, newsflash, in Florida, buy a house in the summer and not the winter because the hot season is in the winter when all the, what, baby boomers, the snowbirds are down there. All of it ties through to where it tells you exactly what's next for you. 
And what's next for you is, number one, eliminate all your unsecured debt. I couldn't have done anything that I did if I was riddled with Mercedes or BMW debt or iPhone debt or pet debt. That's why I'm worried for the millennials because they're littered with school debt and all their consumption debt. And then secondly, you want to sit down and get a plan and immediately buy a house just for yourself, even if it's just to pay off your student loans and go back to renting in six years. You can make forty grand in six years tax-free and go back to your renting ways. But at least make the purchase. And if you have enough and this makes sense, then call me at 719-330-1457 and we'll sit down and make a plan. Very, very simple. Use Churchill, get it all for free. If not, no big deal. If you're in another state, just $200 an hour billable in 30-minute segments. And I want all of you to go grow and prosper and tell someone close to you that you love them because that's all that matters in the end. The only reason I talk about demographics in America and demographics in real estate is it's just one way for you to have true financial freedom. Very simple. Do the Dave Ramsey seven baby steps. Then you put some money into a 401k. You put money into multiple investment properties in real estate. And then you just retire and go build wealth and give away generously. And to do this, you have to be passionate. And if you haven't found your passion and your calling and purpose in life, pray to God that he deliver it to you. Because that's what I found in you, the podcast and radio listener. People that I would passionately talk to, whether it's Sean, whether it's Eric, whether it's Terry, whether it's Dawn, all of you have changed my life. Tag, you're it. Let's help you go change someone else's life. I'm going to change someone else's life because we're all just paying it forward. Again, reach out to me at churchillcolorado.com or call me at 719-330-1457 so I can help you with your next purchase, mortgage, transaction, or your real estate portfolio. Have a great day. Come on, The proceeding was a paid program on KRDO News Radio. KRDO News Radio does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of the information contained in this program. And the views expressed do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the staff and management of KRDO News Radio. You can count.